0: really any parent who is raising a child with OCD. And that is the whack-a-mole situation of, oh, shoot, here's another theme. Oh man, here's another discomfort. Oh my gosh. Here's another intrusive thought, right? (laughs) That could be very disheartening. And OCD very often will change themes. And if it hasn't yet, it very likely will. And I'm not saying that to be upsetting or to Cause you any stress? I actually want to navigate, navigate you through when your child shifts an OCD theme or when a new one pops up, because there's a lot of things that we can do within those few weeks when it first starts that can be very, very effective long term. So, stay tuned. That's what we're going to be talking about. But before I get started, I do want to give a thank you to NoCD for continuing to sponsor this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the US and outside of the US. And you can schedule a free 15 minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That is treatmyocd.com. If you've tried them before and you haven't circled back, you might want to try them again because they are getting new providers all the time in new areas, which is very helpful to all of us. Okay. So let's talk about the OCD themes and how it changes, because this is very, very common. And in fact, you know how I always like to, to talk about what I experience. That's kind of how I start my podcast day. I record on Mondays and I sit and I think, what have I been dealing with? Because I know if it's something I've been dealing with, you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck because I am in the throes of it. And so it's really fresh in my mind and it's, it's parental. And I like to get out of my clinical head, although that's always there and also be a parent with you because I think both are important to, to get it on a human level and to talk to you as another parent and weave in my clinical skills because you can learn this stuff too. We can all do this for our kids. So my kids have lately been having a lot of new themes I know in the AT Parenting community, my membership community, and the parents that I've worked with in my courses, that is a common issue that I will often get a panicky response about. You know, oh my gosh, my child has a new theme. I thought that we conquered this. Or, oh my gosh, my child has a new theme. How do I handle this one? And so it is one of those issues that tends to bring up a lot of stress for us as parents. And I get it. I mean, I get it clinically. But this past, I would say month, I've been getting it more and more on a personal level because my kids have been pretty stable for a long time and they haven't really jumped around too many themes. I mean, a little bit here and there, a little flavor of this or a little touch of that, but it has been predominantly, you know, I mean, we cover the gamut when you have three kids with anxiety and OCD. I feel like we cover the gamut. And so their themes have been solid ish. (laughs) And then lately, my son started to develop some new themes. And the cool thing is he started to recognize them. And I want to go into how we can use a lot of the skills that we're teaching our kids to reinforce their skills and to have another conversation about OCD. But first, we always have to work with you. And that is, what do new themes bring up for you? And that that's where we're going to start. And then we're going to end, eventually we will get to very concrete skills that you're going to start implementing how to shift over to doing ERP at home for the new themes, how to approach it, how to communicate with your child. We're going to talk about all that, but we're going to start with you. So I know for myself, I'll tell you, I'm not going to go into the theme of what happened with my daughter, but she is the impetus for this episode because I felt that panic. So we were on vacation for spring break and because I haven't gotten her permission to talk about her theme. Um, and I'm very cognizant of, you know, discussing these things with my kids before I talk about them in the podcast. And so I'm not going to talk about what the theme is and let, until she gets, gives me permission or if she gives me permission, but that's not a problem because we can still have a conversation about this because it doesn't matter. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but anyway, we were sitting at a very expensive luau. (laughs) We went to Hawaii. I am, if you have followed me at all, traveling my life away because after my husband died, like a whole shift in what is important happened. Won't go into all that right now, but so we're traveling a lot. My kids have really become resilient because it's amazing how many anxiety and OCD triggers happen when you're traveling. But when you travel nonstop and we are traveling literally nonstop, Not literally, but a lot. Whenever they have free time, we are not staying still. They have become so resilient. And it really is like natural exposure for a lot of things. However, when we were at this luau, the waiter said something to my daughter that completely triggered a new theme. And I had seen rumblings of it, but it caused a full-blown anxiety attack where she was like shaking and she, when she gets really anxious, she has to go to the bathroom and she has to throw up and like, you know, a full-blown anxiety attack. And inside of me, because we're starting with you, right? Inside of me, I mean, outside I was calm and I was empowering her. And I was saying, you know, this is your OCD. And I was doing all the things that we normally do when our kids are triggered. And then (laughs) I offered reassurance because I was overwhelmed in the situation. It was a brand new theme. And so I offered her reassurance, which I completely knew was like feeding her OCD. And I saw complete relief in her eyes. And then, like it happens with reassurance that's, you know, feeding OCD, five minutes later, the panic was back even stronger. I know that, but I just wanted some brief relief, <laughs> just like she did. And I thought maybe it'll stick for a little while at least. No, it didn't. You know, and it never does. I mean, maybe it does for a little bit longer. It didn't have a lot of staying power at all. And inside I was completely panicking because it was a theme that seemed so overwhelming all of a sudden. And I was so worried, like how debilitating this was going to be. And she did not notice that because we really want to have a poker face. We do not want our kids to realize that we are having some sort of, almost a PTSD reaction, depending on how severe your child's OCD has been in the past. It's very traumatizing for us as parents, especially if your child was like really debilitated or hospitalized, or, you know, your whole family was kind of kept hostage by OCD. It's very triggering and it's, it's trauma, it's trauma related. And so you could be having a trauma response of, Oh my gosh, here we go again. How bad is this going to get? That's normal. That's human. We can't stop those feelings, but then it's what do we do after those thoughts, right? And that's always what I say to kids too. You can't stop your intrusive thought or feeling, but it's what you do with it that matters. That's the part that matters. We can't control our initial reaction of, oh crap, no, not this again. And not a new one, right? Will this ever go away? We just conquered another theme. Why is this popping up? Why now? these are the questions that I hear in the AT Parenting community. Why now? What happened? Why is this new theme happening? I shouldn't have done a, B, or C, and this wouldn't have happened, um, or they shouldn't have said that. Actually, my daughter didn't hear the waiters say whatever they were saying. But my older daughter highlighted it, and so she started to feel guilty. And I said it could be anything, right? It happened to be this scenario, but it could have been anything. And so the first thing we want to do as parents is don't get stuck on the why. Why is this happening? How could I have prevented it? Stop. (laughs) OCD will happen when it wants to happen and it will glum onto what it wants to glum on, and it can literally be anything. So, trying to focus on how you can prevent it from happening next time is futile because you can't. And I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but you can't. So, don't spin your wheels and waste your energy because you're going to need it for other stuff. So, it happens. Sometimes it happens because they are hitting a different developmental stage. Sometimes it happens because they're hormonal or there's some hormone shifts as they get older. Sometimes it happens because they're in a stressful situation. Sometimes it happens because, you know, some life changes have happened. And sometimes it happens just because it happens, just because they happen to have OCD. And OCD can be cyclical, even without pandas and pans. It can be cyclical in the sense that you can have periods where it's very manageable And then you have periods where it's not, and then you have periods where it's very manageable, and then you have periods where it's not. That's why I equate it to diabetes because that's the mindset we need to get as parents who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD, or if we have it ourselves as well. Is it is a very well managed issue disease? I don't like the word disease for anxiety or OCD, but it is similar. It is you know it's in the brain. It has to do with our neurotransmitters, so it's very physiological, but It's something that we manage. And that is why lifelong skills for our kids to have on their own is incredibly important because we don't want to ever have that mentality of it's one and done or we don't want to talk about OCD. You know, she's doing really well. Let's not talk about it. Let's not rock the boat. Let's not bring up old themes. Let's not do ERP. For those of you that don't know what ERP is, exposure with response prevention. I do have podcast episodes on that. If I ever say anything, that you don't know or that you want a deeper dive on, if you're just joining me in my podcast land, you can go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com and scroll all the way to the bottom. And there's a search button and literally put in the one word topic. You can put ERP. You can put, if I say something like sensory motor OCD and you're like, what the heck is that? Just put sensory motor. My search engine on my website is pretty good and it will pop up with relevant podcast episodes I've done or YouTube videos I've done for kids or teens. The podcast is for you guys and the YouTube channel is for kids and teens. Although I have plenty of adults who have OCD and anxiety and they also enjoy my YouTube videos. But YouTube, my YouTube channel has a better search engine than podcasts. People tend to tell me that it's hard to to search my podcasts, like on you know, iTunes or wherever they consume their podcasts. That's why I I recommend you go to my website. But YouTube, if you go to my YouTube channel, just type in Natasha Daniels and you'll find it. You can search someone's channel on a desktop. And that actually is very good and accurate. But also all those YouTube videos, all those podcasts are up on my website. And so it's kind of a a one-stop shop hub that you can go to and check that out. Sorry for the tangent, but I do just want to mention that for those of you that are kind of like, I don't know what she's talking about ever. (laughs) There's a podcast on that. so. Once you get yourself in check and the way that I remind myself, and even though I am an anxiety and OCD child therapist, and I've treated many, many, many kids, I still have to remind myself as a parent because what I know academically and what I know clinically doesn't translate as a parent. And so I have to almost be my own therapist and remind myself of the things that I'm about to tell you, which is OCD is an octopus. And I've said this before, many people equate OCD as to the animal or to the the sea creature of octopus, the poor octopi, (laughs) but it's a whole beast, right? And the tentacles, just think about this as a metaphor. The tentacles are your OCD themes, right? And a lot of times one tentacle is just whacking you in the face. If you're a kid, you know, that's the tentacle that's just, you know, Beating you up, and you're like, Man, that tentacle, you know, we're working on contamination. That's such a strong little tentacle, and we're tackling it. And then all of a sudden, that tentacle isn't bothering you anymore. And you're like, Whew, We've conquered that. And then all of a sudden, another tentacle out of nowhere smacks you in the face and says, We're just right. Hello, you know, everything has to be just right. And you're like, Why are, why are you back? The reality is, if there is a tentacle that is strong enough to hit you in the face, then the the beast that is ocd the octopus has not gotten smaller because when it is a tiny little octopus i don't know like what are the tiniest little octopus like a little squid i mean i've seen like little miniature octopus octopi, <laughs> and normally i say flea so that but that doesn't work with my metaphor right now so let's just imagine it's this tiny little octopus that is like barely visible in the ocean that's what we're trying to aim for. We want to get the entire beast small so that we can, we might notice it. Our child might still get intrusive thoughts or feelings, but they can swat it away. It's not a big deal. The tentacles aren't large enough to, to rock their world or their life. That's the goal. Now, sometimes that octopus will grow bigger again, all of a sudden, and then it might get really small, but when the octopus in and of itself is big, just because we're not being hit with the tentacle doesn't mean that OCD has gotten tiny. It might just be hiding under the water. It sounds very ominous, but I want you to focus on the octopus itself. And so a lot of times, not always, but a lot of the times in my practice, when I was really making progress with a child or the child was actually making progress for themselves, the themes would, would rapidly change. And so I would always say that's OCD on the run. Like it would hit me with one tentacle and we would crush that tentacle. And then it would hit me with another tentacle and we would crush that tentacle. And it hit me with another tentacle, not me, but the child. And then they would crush that tentacle, right? Because we want to give the power to the child, not to the therapist or the parent, right? The child's doing all the work. And eventually the octopus didn't have any tentacles to throw at me. It was a beaten down octopus, poor octopus, (laughs) And then it just, it didn't have anything else to throw at me. And so we could rock the boat. We didn't have to walk on eggshells. We could say all sorts of things that would have been triggering in the past. And the octopus didn't stir because it was so tiny. We couldn't even feel it. That's the goal. That is the goal. And so it is helpful to also explain that to our kids. And so I'm going to kind of walk you through this, through the concrete example of what happened, what is continuing to happen, actually, currently at my house with my youngest daughter, who's 10, because I think we learn through other people's experiences. You know, I'm a storyteller. That's just me by nature. And I do feel like we can learn by weaving it into someone else's actual experience. And so that's what I'm going to do for you right now. So when I saw the panic in my daughter and a new theme popped up, now that was different than my son, who my son, who's 12, he's been, he's been verbally expressing new themes which is a really good sign that I have trained him well enough to spot OCD. And we do want to train our kids to spot OCD and the many themes it can show up as so many people are afraid to talk about other OCD themes that don't relate to their, their current theme, the current tentacle. And that's actually kind of tying one arm behind your back for a fight because your child doesn't know what to look for. And your child is the first line of defense. They're the ones that are going to notice their intrusive thoughts or feelings. And if they're not educated enough to say, this is how OCD operates. It gives me an intrusive thought or feeling. And the other side of it is that I have to do or avoid something to get brief relief. But the more I do or avoid, the bigger my OCD intrusive thoughts or feelings grow. That's it. You can put any theme, pretty much anything into that formula. And you have, you have your OCD. And we want our kids to generalize. And so when we have a new OCD theme, that gives us an opportunity to teach generalization because, and that's, that goes for you too, because I can't tell you how many parents have, who have reached out in the AT parenting community said, I don't know what to do with moral OCD. You know, we were dealing with symmetry OCD. And now like, how do you do exposures for worrying that you're a bad person? Or how do you do exposures for worrying you're going to say the F word? Like, what am I supposed to do? Or These are sexual now. What am I supposed to do with that? And if you know the basic foundation of how to approach OCD, then it's a plug and play. It's like, okay, a new tentacle, but it's still a tentacle. And we approach every tentacle the same way. And a lot of times parents don't get that, but also especially kids. So I do want to give you some resources on this really quick because I did have a few I created a YouTube video called Here's the Way to Handle OCD Regardless of Theme. <laughs> and it might be actually a really good video for you to watch, even though it was created for kids to watch. I just want kids to note that there's really one way to handle OCD predominantly, and this is it, regardless of theme. That's really important because we want to train them to understand the foundation, and you need to know the foundation of how to approach OCD. For those of you that have taken my How to Crush OCD course, you know, you're ahead of the game because you get it. You have, you know, you've taken the course. So, you know, all the foundational ways to identify OCD, how to educate your child on OCD and how to do exposures for OCD. But for those of you that haven't, you want to kind of catch up with that and know the foundation of how do I plug and play for these things, regardless of theme. You can always take one of my courses at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. I have how to teach kids to crush OCD. I have how to teach kids to crush anxiety. I have the space program study guide, which is how to help you pull back your accommodation. So you can check that out, but also um, check out these free resources. So check out that YouTube channel. I think that'd be really important. I also think checking out episode 229, can my child catch other anxiety or OCD themes? I think that's really important because my son is able to catch these. And his themes I can talk about because I already asked him and they're not, maybe embarrassing as much. I don't know, but he was worrying about he was like reorganizing, you know, the ketchup bottle and his cups, and uh, he said, "Mom, I think this is OCD. Um, I feel like I have to get it just right." So we talked about just right OCD and what it is, and I wouldn't have noticed that necessarily. And he's also noticing that he has to read until he understands it just right. So he has he has to redo his, his shorts over and over again until they feel just right. And he doesn't have sensory issues. He's never had that issue before, but he is the one bringing this up to me, but I'm not going to talk about him in this episode, because I think it's important to, to give you an example where your child is not pointing it out and they are flailing. Cause I think that's more likely to happen than not. But do listen to the episode about teaching your child about different anxiety and OCD themes. I do think that's really important. And it doesn't mean you have to outline, you know, like, let me just tell you all these horrible things and how they show up, but reading books about OCD, reading children's books or teen books on OCD. A lot of times parents won't do that or watching the documentary unstuck, an OCD kids movie. Parents will tell me, I'm afraid to do that because I don't want them to get any ideas. If you are living with an octopus. With huge tentacles, they will find ideas. And so, you know, you have to weigh out the pros and cons. And I talk a lot about that in the podcast episode, but an octopus is an octopus. It has tentacles and it will reach into anything it can and grab those things. If you had a really tiny octopus, it doesn't matter how big, you know, you rock that boat, how much you rock that boat, it doesn't matter because that octopus doesn't have any power. And that's what we want. So, going back to my daughter. So that night we did not talk about it. And I think that that is sometimes the mistake that parents make is when your child's in the throes of sheer panic, it's contagious. And so a lot of times we might panic and then we might think, I need to nip this in the bud. We need to do exposures. We need to da it da." And sometimes you can do that. She had an issue a couple of years ago with a homework assignment that triggered her and created an entire new theme. And we, we attack, we tackled that that night because it was so bad, like she couldn't touch anybody and she couldn't sit down because it had to do with veins and blood. But this was different. She obviously was in complete panic. And so I shelved it and I was really hoping, (laughs) I'm going to tell you all like the things that like, you know, we shouldn't do. I was hoping it would just go away. (laughs) I'm so human. I just was like, we're going to wake up tomorrow. And that was the day we were flying back. And I said, we're going to wake up and it'll be gone. Well, you know, it might be subtle and I'll just remember, you know, I'll just mentally remember that I need to kind of circle back and touch on that theme a little bit, but we'll be good to go because she didn't eat dinner that night. So she didn't eat anything. I'm trying to think. So I was worried about like her, not her, her, her appetite. So the morning comes and she looks fine. And I'm thinking we are good. Like it's over. And that's something that we really shouldn't do, but we were on vacation and I knew we were traveling that day and traveling is already hard for her. Majorly hard. She's just gotten so much better with it. She often has to take like a PRN for anxiety. Like, we actually have like an antihistamine that we give her when she's really in a panic and it works really well. She is already on medication, but this just added boost when she's feeling really, really overwhelmed. And I was worried about adding this onto that. So, we wake up, we go have breakfast, and she seems like she's doing fine. And I'm like, I think I'm in the clear. Right. It's all about me. (laughs) I just wanted to get home. I was like, we'll deal with this later, but I just want to get home. And because it actually triggers my anxiety and maybe some of your kids trigger your own anxiety too. I worry about people throwing up in public that I've had a metaphobia as a kid and a teenager. And I've thrown up a lot with my own anxiety. And I think that's one of my biggest social anxiety slash. It's not a metaphobia, even it's social anxiety. I worry about her throwing up. I carry a bag with me in my purse, which is probably you know, a social anxiety accommodation so that, you know, I'm prepared if she ever feels sick because sometimes she does throw up. And so, it's not even like a a what if, it's like a maybe. <laughs> so, I'm trying to think, we order breakfast and she wants breakfast and then she doesn't want to eat. Like, you got to be kidding me. She doesn't want to eat. And so, I just wanted to get her home. I was like, let's just get her home and then we'll deal with it. So, you don't always want to, I'm going to like tell you my story and then I'm going to jump in and just kind of give some suggestions as we go. You don't always have to, or should jump in and handle the OCD in that moment. I didn't talk to her about it being OCD, except for at the table at dinner when she was a deer cotton headlights. I didn't bring it up the next day. I just said, how are you doing? I was giving her some space. And so you have to gauge your child It's a marathon, not a sprint, even with new themes, you have to tackle it, but you also have to realize that you don't want to overwhelm them to the point where they'll shut down. And so I didn't touch it. She didn't eat. I wound up giving her that medication because she was like, oh my gosh, this can be a very long flight back in the airport. And as soon as, well, I don't say as soon as I gave it to her, but like within the hour, she was pretty calm. Thank the gods for that medication. That really does help. Um, and she has not had to use that medication for like, mm, I would say like maybe six months. I mean, when her dad died, right. That was, she was needing that a lot, like once in the morning, but we've been good or I shouldn't say we, she has been good. She has been doing really well. So we make it back. I'll fast forward this conversation a little bit. And I let it go for a few days. I just, you know, wanted her to get back into her routine, but. It is very tempting because she was fine. She was moving back. She had her distractions. She had her iPad. We came back on Thursday. And so she had Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before school, right? We're only at Monday. So my story is is a to-be-continued kind of story, but she's doing fine. And so it would be very, very tempting to not want to rock that boat. Like, why would I? She wasn't having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, and she wasn't doing anything. She seemed like she was back to her normal self. This is the part where I tell you to go rock the boat. This is the part that we're like, really? You know, it seems like it's okay. Don't. Don't let that weed grow. That weed is there now. That weed will grow. So I waited until I had an appointment I had to go to. And I waited to talk to her when I knew I'd be home the rest of the night. Because I knew just like a burn is a bad analogy, but just like a burn, you know, you have to scrape it off and then it like seems worse for a while. I knew I was going to have to scrape this off and we're going to have to get to the bottom of it. Like we were going to have to, we're going to have to face it head on. And so I said to her, we need to talk about your new theme. No, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Dear Cotton Headlights, total panic. And so I had to coax her. I actually, I'm trying to think, I actually brought that up Saturday. I said, we'll, we'll need to talk about your new theme, your OCD stuff. I don't want to talk about it. And I said, well, we won't talk about it today, but tomorrow we will have to talk about it and you'll get incentives. Like, you know, she's been wanting to get this like crazy expensive Lego set, which I told her there's no way. And I said, you can earn money towards that Lego set, but we have to talk about it. And so giving her that 24 hours of like no preparing almost knowing that did help her. And so the next day, which was yesterday, I said, okay, well, we have to talk about that. And I don't want to talk about it, mom. I don't want to talk about it. And I said, just talking about it is an exposure. I don't care. I don't want to talk about it. It's not OCD. I don't want to talk about it. And I said, it is OCD. Some of our kids will just try to push back, right? Denial or whatever. And I said to her, the biggest weapon OCD has is to make you not want to talk about it. I said, what do you think will happen if we never talk about it? What do you think is going to happen to this theme, to these intrusive thoughts? I don't know. I don't care. Right. And I said, we're going to be doing a lot of fun traveling this summer. And it has the power, like it did before, to completely ruin your trip. But not only will it ruin your trip, it has the power to ruin all your happiness, all the things. Because think about how unhappy you were for the end of our trip because of what OCD was telling you fine, I'll have fine, fine. Let's talk. Right. So she really comes into my office and she gets a pillow and she kind of holds it up around her body to protect her. And actually I'm trying to think I actually, I'm sorry. My brain is mush. I think we actually talked about this on Saturday because we had a second conversation about it on Sunday. So it doesn't really matter. The point is I was explaining to her why we need to talk about it. And That's really the first step when your child has a new OCD theme is getting them to recognize that it's just another tentacle of the, of the octopus beast. And so I talked to her about the octopus and I said, OCD is OCD. It's an octopus and it has many tentacles and many different themes. And this is just another tentacle coming out and swinging at you. Right. And so with her, I said, you know, you had the sensory motor, you know, tentacle that swung at you. And what did you do? Use a lot of questions. If you have even a semi-cooperative child, I did a lot of questions. So instead of preaching at her, I asked her a lot of questions. I said, what did you do when you had sensory motor OCD? I did exposures. And what were those like? They were hard at first, but then I did them. And then what happened? I don't have that problem as much anymore. Yeah. how was traveling. It was good. I didn't even worry about it. Right, that's incredible. It's the same thing. This is the same thing. It's another intrusive thought or feeling, right? This is an intrusive thought. It was an intrusive thought, and I was trying to explain to her the pattern of OCD. Right? You have an intrusive thought or feeling. So I said to her, "What's your intrusive thought or feeling?" And she said, "the The intrusive thought that she had, which is kind of a moral OCD, quite like it's in the moral OCD category. We'll just put it that way." And I said. Uh, What was your other past intrusive thoughts or feelings? So, what I'm doing is I'm getting her to see the foundation, the framework of OCD, because I want her to understand that it's plug and play. It doesn't matter what new theme is. She's done this before. We've done this rodeo before. And so she said, Well, my intrusive feeling was that I had to go to the bathroom. And my intrusive thought was that I might have an accident. I said, Right there, right? So, OCD gives you an intrusive thought or feeling that's A, if you want to think about it that way. And then there's the B and the B is the compulsion. And I can't believe my kid said this, but she's like, what's a compulsion? I swear. My kids are like on another planet. Like really? So don't assume your kids know this stuff. I mean, my kids literally were fed this in a bottle and they still surprise me sometimes with the questions that they have. So teach them ad nauseum, but teach them to an engaged child. Don't, don't talk at them. Don't preach with them. She was engaged at that moment. That was the time. If she was shut down and I was getting one word answers or no word answers, like just grunts, then I would have shelved it. And I would have come back another time. And another time I would have kept trying. I would have, you know, if you could just talk to me for five minutes and you can earn blah, 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 but you have to cooperate or you have to like speak with me. I would entice them, but she was being cooperative, scared, but cooperative. And so I wanted to get her to see the foundation of OCD. And that's really what you want is to get them to connect the dots. So remind them, what was your intrusive thought before, right? What was your compulsion? So when you have a new OCD theme or when you have the first OCD theme, I always give them a roadmap of what they're dealing with. And so the two things I like them to know, this is what I used to do in my practice too, is what's your intrusive thought or feeling, right? And I would actually draw it out. I would have a visual for it. And then, right? So my intrusive thought is my food is so chewy, it's going to make me choke. Or my intrusive thought is that you're so dirty that you're going to contaminate me. That's right. We cannot control our intrusive thoughts or feelings. OCD can give that to you and we can't do anything about it. And no matter how much you crush OCD or you know work on OCD, the intrusive thought or feeling, the, that A part you don't get to control that will, that can still be there, right? It's the B that you get to control, right? So you have this intrusive thought or feeling, and then what is the compulsion, the behavior and use these words, use the word compulsion so that they learn big boy or big girl words (laughs) so that when they're adults or when they're talking to um, a counselor, as they get older, they have the language already built in. And so don't be afraid to use these words. And I, normally I pair it with something else. So like, what's the compulsion or behavior that you do to get your brief relief, right? And I, I say that kind of redundantly or over and over, you know, you have an intrusive thought or feeling, and then you have to do or avoid something to get brief relief. That's your compulsion. That's your action. That's your behavior. Avoidance is an action. You know, it's a behavior that you're doing that can grow your OCD. So it's the it's the B part of your A-B equation <laughs> that we're focusing on. So what you're doing is you're always re-educating your child. And even young kids can get this. You just do it ad nauseum, not to the point where they're frustrated with you. But when a new theme pops up, okay, what's your intrusive thought or feeling, right? And you have to add feeling because sometimes you have feelings and not thoughts. It just doesn't feel right. I feel disgusted or it feels um, gross, or it feels not just right, or it feels uncomfortable. So the feeling part is because it's not always a fear and it's sometimes not a thought. So intrusive thought or feeling, and so get them to outline that. And so my intrusive thought is blah, 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 based on what this person said. I'm worried. And she actually corrected me because I assumed it was one thing and she was very specific and she said, no. And initially when she was trying to tell me her thought, She couldn't say it out loud. It had gotten that bad. She was already doing a compulsion to avoid saying the word. I can't say the word, mom. And I'd say, OCD wants you to avoid, right? And the more wiggle room we give it to grow, the bigger it's going to grow. And so, you know, she eventually said it, which we're just literally doing exposures, even as we're talking about it. And then what's your B? What's your compulsion? She goes, well, I'm trying to avoid. I'm avoiding talking about it. I don't want to wear the shirt I was wearing at the restaurant. I don't want to say the word. And I said, that's very good that you're aware of that, right? Because when we avoid, that's a compulsion that grows our OCD bigger. And I said, how do you think it grows it bigger? So what I'm doing here is I'm educating her on the foundation of how OCD works. And I'm generalizing it because I'll go back to her other theme and I will show her, right? So I said, she has given me permission to talk about her other theme we just haven't talked about this new one. And I said, so what was your compulsion with your sensory motor OCD? She said, well, I would go to the bathroom all the time and I would check. I'd like push down on my stomach to see if I had to pee and I would avoid people who had to pee. And I was like, that's right. And how did that work out for you? So if you did all the rules that OCD wanted, OCD said, these are my rules. These are my demands. And you did them. Did that help? No. Then it would get, it would demand more things. And I said, that's right. That's what OCD does." it is like a big, bad boss and it's never satisfied. And so I said to her with the shirt thing, because in my head, I was freaking out. I was like, she's never had contamination, OCD themes. She's never had any of that. And because I've worked with a million people, I instantly can see exactly just how bad this can get. And so I said to her, I used like a a scenario with her, like a kind of a composite of many, many people I've worked with. And I said to her, you know, I've worked with people where they've thought that the shirt that they wore was contaminated. So they didn't wear it again. And then they said, you know what? I can't wear the shirts next to my shirt because it's touching them. Now they're contaminated. And then I went through the whole story of eventually like the closet was contaminated and the bedroom was contaminated. And I brought it all the way to the point where like the child was like only able to be in the the dining room, but then the kitchen got contaminated and all the food got contaminated and this child couldn't eat. And my daughter's eyes got big and she said, well, I don't want it to get like that. And I said, OCD is never satisfied. So the more you avoid, the more it tells you to avoid to the point where it can make you avoid basic living things like eating. And you've seen that with your brother. I told her, right? So we don't want to avoid those things. So my first conversation with her was just educational. So do that with your child when they have a new theme, or if they have a theme at all, you want to go over the foundation of having the intrusive thought or feeling that's a, and then what you do or avoid. So list out, tell me what all the compulsions are. The other thing that I had to talk to her about were mental compulsions. And that's a really important part that often gets missed, especially with moral OCD themes or intrusive thoughts about who they are as a person. And I said, so when you have this intrusive thought that OCD says, you are this, what do you do? And she says, I argue with it. I debate it. I say, I'm not that I'm this. And I said, and I got out my Chinese handcuffs. I recommend that you get a pair (laughs) because they're a great analogy. I actually have an octopus that It's legs fall off, which is pretty cool, but I think I'm missing one of the legs, but that was a really helpful thing in my office too, but get some Chinese handcuffs because they come in handy a lot. So I pulled out my Chinese handcuffs and I said, if you pull, right, if you fight with OCD, and then normally my thumbs start to talk. So if you know what Chinese handcuffs are, my pointer fingers are stuck into the Chinese handcuffs and my thumbs are out. And so my thumbs start to get animated because that's how I am. They start to talk. So my thumb is like, you're this. And then my other thumb goes, no, I'm not, I'm not that. And my, uh, my, the OCD thumb goes, yeah, you are, you're this because of this and this. And the argument ensues and I pull, right? Cause we're fighting. And I show my daughter that my fingers are getting tighter. They're getting tighter because the more you pull on OCD or argue with it, the tighter the grip. So I said to her, what do you think I should do instead? Ask your kids questions. Let them come up with the answers, avoid lecturing too much. I think that it's easy to get ramped up about what you need to teach your child and in time you lose them. So I will often, and this was kind of a therapy approach too. I I will often say a few things and then I'll ask them, what do you think happens next? Or what do you think will happen? Or what would you do? You want to engage them and you want them to do most of the brain work so that they're thinking about these things and not zoning out she'd argue with it. And then she'd say, well, the more I argue with it, the more it comes back and argues. And I guess, you know, that grows it. And I said, it does. The more you argue with OCD. So what can you say instead? And she said, I was surprised she actually got this right. She said, I should agree with it. And I said, yeah, when you push in and having these Chinese handcuffs, you can get them on Amazon. They're super cheap. Having this visual really helps her. So she had them in her fingers and she was playing with it. And that solidifies this metaphor for her or for any kids. I had a huge jar of Chinese handcuffs when I was in my practice. And so I said, when you say, yeah, you know what? I may or may not be blah, blah, blah. I may or may not be. OCD doesn't know what to do with that. It loosens its grip on you because you're agreeing with the uncertainty. I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. You don't know. I don't know. Right. And when you do that, it loses its power. So don't forget the mental compulsions. If that is relevant in the theme that you're dealing with, or even just educate your kids on mental compulsions to begin with. My kids have been educated. And my daughter has been in a lot of the AT parenting community support group phone calls that we do each month. And she has heard a lot of kids talk about mental compulsions. In fact, that you know monthly Zoom call is really educational because she's learning about other themes and issues from other people. And it helps normalize that because other people have talked about this theme before. Um, maybe not in this way, but she still had some gaps. Like she didn't know what a compulsion was. Who are you? How are you living in my house? We've talked about this a million times. So don't assume your kids know things just because you think the therapist went over it or because you went over it. You have to go over these, these things over and over again. We've talked about mental compulsions, but there she was doing it all night long. I could tell she was doing mental compulsions at the restaurant because you could tell like that spaced out look where she's arguing with herself. Am I this? Am I not this? So that's something to do. I do have a YouTube video on mental compulsions. And again, you can go to my website, go down to the bottom and just type in mental compulsions. And there is a YouTube video on that for kids to educate them. So education is a huge component. and. When they have new themes, it is an opportunity to go back and re educate. She's really only had two themes. She's had emetophobia, the fear of throwing up, and the fear of uh, having an accident. So, social anxiety and sensory motor OCD. She hasn't had a lot of themes. And so, this was a good opportunity. This is, because it's still going on, a good opportunity to really sharpen her skills in this area. So then on Sunday, and you can do this on your own time frame, whatever works for you, I said to her, it's really important that we sit down and make a menu of different exposures. Now, I like the inhibitory learning model, which I did an entire episode on last week. So if you don't if you don't listen to it, you can listen to it now. You know, whether you do a hierarchy, the traditional ERP like exposure ladder, or you know, inhibitory learning model and ACT acceptance commitment therapy, have moved more towards a menu. I wanted to do a menu because I do like the idea of my child just picking whatever they feel like doing at that time. So we sat down, I got my iPad out, I got an Excel spreadsheet and I said, let's come up with some ideas. And then each day you can pick one and do one. And I said, an exposure day keeps OCD away, which she thought was really funny. And she said, mom, that's really good. You should, you should say that. And I say, I do say that a lot. I don't know if she's heard like an apple a day keeps the doctor away or if she just thought it was like incredibly creative, but <laughs> I said, it's important because if we don't do it, this little weed is going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And right now, even though it seems really strong, its roots are not very strong. And so if we can dig in there and pull this weed out now, it's going to save you a lot of energy and a lot of struggle down the road. Luckily, she's agreeing with me. I mean, we'll see because we've only done one exposure so far, but she was able to make a menu. Now making a menu was, was still also like a very, it was an exposure for her because I was saying words and things that were overwhelming. And I said to her, we're going to talk about a lot of different exposure ideas that you can do, but you don't have to do them, right? We're just coming up with a list of possibilities. It is important to, to highlight that so that you don't really like freak out your, your child. And so we made a list and she said like, just seeing a picture of that shirt would be a trigger. And so we start to do numbers. And so I do a one to 10, but in the inhibitory learning model, and you can listen to that episode that I did, numbers aren't that important, but I, I just like, I still like using numbers to get a gauge. Just how bad does she think this is going to be? And so that helps me. So we did do numbers. So we did like seeing a picture of the shirt, seeing a picture of the necklace that she wore. She was wearing like a luau necklace. And then I'm trying to think, The other ones, oh, yeah, it was like wearing the shirt. And then it was role playing, like me saying the thing that the waiter said while she's wearing the shirt. And then it would be like me role playing and saying the thing without her wearing the shirt. And then it was me Photoshopping an image of um, this thought actually coming to life. And then it was like me Photoshopping like a thought bubble of other people. So a couple of different things. We talked about what an imaginal script is, like me writing a story or her writing a story about the intrusive thought actually happening and her having to read it. So we wrote a couple of those down. And then I accidentally said something that was triggering. And she said, even that mom, that mom, what you just said was horrible. And I said, well, then let's write that down as another exposure. And so, and then I said to her, can you think of anything else? So don't create these exposures for your kids or the menu ideas for your kids, because I didn't know that the shirt was a problem until she's the one that Brought that up when we were creating her menu, and that was really good to know because one, that's an easy exposure, and two, that could have gotten out of control without me knowing it. So, ask your kids. Say, you know yourself. And this is what I said to her. You know yourself the best. You know exactly what your O Cloud is telling you, and so you are the best creator of your own exposures because the more detailed they are, or the more related they are to the intrusive thoughts you're having, like really specifically, the more powerful they're going to be. And I will not know that the only person who will know that is you. And so we did do our first exposure where she was looking at a picture of her wearing that shirt. And I mean, I think it was like an eight on her like suds one to 10 scale. And so it was very high. And as she was looking at it, she was kind of hiding her head, but I said, you have to be looking at it. And then what I said is, now what are your thoughts? Because we also want to review. Is she sitting here looking at that and then just doing mental compulsions the whole time? So we reviewed again what mental compulsions are. Are you debating in your head with your O cloud, or are you agreeing? I said, what kind of thoughts are you currently having? And she said, I'm having those thoughts again about the about those intrusive thoughts. And I said, and what are you doing with those? And I got the Chinese handcuffs out again. And she said, I'm arguing with them. And I said, and Is that helpful? Is that growing your OCD or is that shrinking it? It's growing it. So, what can you do instead? I'll agree with them. And so, if you have a child who is dealing with mental compulsions, don't forget to deal with that part of things. A big chunk of intrusive thoughts and feelings involve mental compulsions, especially around things that are like moral OCD or harm OCD or like things that involve who they are as a person. So don't forget to explore that part, to educate your kids on that part too. That's not what this episode is about, but I do feel like it's it was a component of my story with what we're doing. So we have to be diligent. Because she's only 10, I will set an alarm on my phone and I will make sure to do an exposure every single day with her. I'll let her pick from the menu. And for a while, I'll let her pick really easy things. If she wants to keep picking the shirt one for a while. And then over time, we don't want to overwhelm them to the point where they, they want to like actively refuse to do exposures. And my daughter can get that way where she can really dig her heels in for a while. Now I've been saying, we need to be doing exposures, like maintenance exposures. You've been doing well for a really long time. We need to go back and do some pee exposures. And she's like, I'm fine, mom, or we can do it tomorrow. Or I don't want to. And I didn't want to rock the boat too, too much because I want to keep that trust, and I'm glad I didn't rock the boat too too much because our trust and communication was solid enough that when this this boat got super rocked by OCD, our trust and communication was good enough that I was able to kind of somewhat forcefully go in there and and almost require her to do exposures. Luckily, she's 10 and not 15 because it gets harder to like require. And I didn't like force her. I just I really. I told her a lot of stories about people who didn't do them and how overwhelmed and disruptive it became in their lives. And she's mature enough to see that and not want that. Thankfully for now, I mean, we are in early days on this theme, but I will have her do an exposure and I won't be punitive about it. If she wants to miss a day or says, I don't want to do it. I will probably be pretty forceful in the sense that I'll be like, it's so important. Like, this is more important than your homework. This is more important than anything because We don't want that weed to grow. And that weed is like kind of growing in there every day. And the more you do something to kind of pull at that weed, the less opportunity it has to to dig deeper and grow deeper roots. And that's really important. So I won't be too horrible about whether she picks the same easy one for right now, because I just want to get it going. I want her to get into the rhythm of, we're doing exposures every day now. And with my daughter, and I wouldn't do this with clients, but because she's my own kid, If she's feeling empowered, sometimes at the end, and I probably won't do it today just because we are a little rocky right now, but I might say, oh my gosh, that was so good. Do you think you could do da-da-da-da? And I'll normally try to push her to do maybe a a harder exposure and keep going. And that's kind of what happened with the, the homework that she had like a few years ago with the blood vein issue. I kept pushing her like, do you think you could do this? Do you think you could do this? And finally, really at the end of the day, she had... No issue. There has been research that shows like your pace is, you know, as long as you respect your child, you can you can up your pace. I mean, that's what intensive outpatient does. That's what like inpatient does. You know, they're just more intensive exposures. But we also don't want to ruin our rapport with our kids. We don't want to push our kids over the edge. So we have to be very careful. In a perfect world, you should, you know, be reaching out to your therapist or get a therapist. If you don't have a therapist, you know, reach out to no C D. We talked about that in the beginning of the podcast. No CD provides virtual therapy in, I think, every state and in a lot of the countries around the world. And so you can go to treatmyocd.com. But it is, in a perfect world, good to get that extra support and have a therapist guide you through this. But In reality, like we're the ones dealing with this in the middle of the night or like on a trip, you know, in the middle of an Island. And so we have to do these things for ourselves as well. And we have to have these tools ready to go because I'm not going to, like, if this happened and I wasn't an OCD therapist, I wouldn't wait three or four weeks even to get into a therapist to start tackling this. Like, I'd be like, no, this has to be tackled right away because I'm not going to wait until it's like a huge weed before I go to a therapist. Like there is a time limit where we want to seize that opportunity and and nip it somewhat in the bud. But having said that, we also want to be very careful about not pushing our kids too, too far to the point where we shut them down. So it's this tightrope that we always have to walk, which is very annoying. So even though it's something that we do want to address right away, we don't want to ignore it. We also have to take our child's lead. And so I I hope that's not like giving a mixed message and hope, I hope that you understand what I'm talking about. It's important to work on it. Is it going to make or break the entire world if you don't attack it like that first day or the second day or that first week even? No, but you don't want to get into the mindset that says, okay, you know what? I think it's going away. I'm not going to bring it up. Don't do that because it's still there. It's just under the water and you just got to pull it out from the water and deal with it. So I hope that you found this helpful. Stay tuned. Hopefully things will continue to, to go well for her. It's just part of the course and, and that is okay. That's just how OCD goes. After the initial like upset, I realized, you know, that she is strong. She is powerful. She has gotten through other OCD themes and she will get through this one as well. And she will come out the other side, even more strong and more powerful because this is an opportunity to go to the OCD gym build her muscles and be even stronger for the next one. And there will be a next one, but the more she has these opportunities, the stronger she'll be and the more knowledgeable she'll be so that it will never fully debilitate her. And that is the ultimate hope. So I hope that you're finding these podcast episodes helpful. I appreciate a lot of you actually just left some reviews and I thank you for that because I hadn't gotten any in a while to read and if you are enjoying the show, if you can hit a star on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you can see on this podcast, it actually helps. I know some people think it doesn't. It really does help. It helps rate the show, which then helps put it up in the categories so that other parents can actually even find it. And so I appreciate that because I get a lot of ratings and that really helps this show up for parents who are searching for support. When you leave a review, that's even better. Parents read those and that really helps people realize there's value in taking some time out to listen to one of these episodes. So I always like to end reading one if I had one. I have a few, but I'll just start with one and I'll read the other one. I will read them each week in case I don't get any more. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Soap loving It. I appreciate you. You wrote, wonderful podcast. The episode on helping kids reframe their anxious thoughts couldn't have come at a better time. Thank you for teaching us valuable skills to help our children. I'm so glad it came at an opportune time that you can take what you heard and just immediately apply it to your house and to your child. And I hope that it is helping. So if you leave a review, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. I do hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again. Actually, you know what? I'm so sorry. I was about to end. and I had one quick thing I wanted to tell you. I have a friend, Alicia Grogan, who is from your kid's table, who is an occupational therapist. And she is opening up her course and she only opens it up a few times a year is my understanding called Rise with Sensory. And I like her eating courses. I've taken her, her courses on picky eating because my son has ARFID. I find her to be really helpful, but I also did one of her sensory courses. And luckily I don't have too many issues with sensory or maybe I'm just so numb with everything else, but my oldest daughter has sensory processing disorder. Luckily she's 18 now and she's kind of manages her own sensory stuff, but it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare when she was a toddler and preschooler. And I would have loved a course that just showed me like what sensory issues I needed to work on, what sensory activities would help. We got an OT for like two weeks and the OT was horrible. She made me feel like a bad mom. She was like complaining that my daughter was like climbing on the coffee table. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That is the least of my concerns. My daughter couldn't even like eat. She was like falling off the growth chart. It was a mess. And she was my first kid. So I had no idea what was going on. She like screamed, I think 23 hours a day. It was really, really rough. And when I saw the OT doing some activities, I was like, I wish she would teach me how to do these things when she's not here. So I can do them throughout the day and she didn't. I mean, this was 18 years ago, or let's see, 15 years ago, because she was three at the time. I would have died for this course. So I will leave a link in the show notes um, and on my website if you are interested, because I do know that it is only open for a few days so that she can focus on the students that come in. It's called Rise with Sensory, and it is phenomenal, and check it out. All right, now I will tell you, don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do, and I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care.